0: everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We had lots of rain this weekend, but we managed to have a dry race. Canada showed up 345,000 strong despite the weather and the energy seemed high all weekend long. We even got some animal features with the groundhogs and Max hitting a bird, so lots of fun stuff. And as a reminder, the next race in two weeks is going to be Austria, and the three of us are going to be there in full force, and we cannot wait. We are excited to jump in with that. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. So getting
1: into our main takeaways, this wasn't the most thrilling race of all time, but I did really love... The podium in the end, having so many world championships up there between them was really exciting, and having Alonso say an honor to be on this podium full of champions, I really liked that. It was interesting kind of watching Ferrari the whole time, wondering if the opposite tire strategy was going to work, and it ended up going decently for them for once, even though they were the only people on mediums. I think mostly the highlights were just being so excited for Albon, which... I'm just so proud of him, I think that was amazing p seven really solid points for the team, and I think mostly this weekend the excitement was quality which which we'll get into,
2: yeah, that's my main takeaway for sure. I really enjoyed quali. I think the gamble that comes with the rain and especially in q three when people were kind of like making bets on if they were gonna go on the slicks, I think that was really cool to see and it could the thing with that is it can go either way, and so I was really excited to see it work out well for. For Albon and, and team like that and Williams, so it was cool. I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, it was definitely the kind of quality where it's like you just had to be at the right place at the right time on the right tires and get lucky. And Albon and Williams made a really good call. So I yeah. fully agree. Yeah, the quality excitement is definitely feeling like more of a trend, and it's it's interesting how tight the spreads can be in quality. And I feel like we've had a lot of exciting. Qualies that have been relatively unpredictable, whereas the races haven't felt super unpredictable. They feel really predictable. And we'll get into that when we talk about Haas, like being able to pull out a great quality lap, but like not be able to string together a race. And I feel like a lot of these teams are feeling that to a certain degree, which is kind of interesting. Also stoked for Albon and Williams, especially in light of the comments that Vals made last week about how their facilities and technology are like 20 years behind, so I'm really happy about that. Also happy to see some Mercedes consistency, even with George's mistake, but yeah, all of that was good, and Aston Martin upgrades and side pods coming in hot, so we'll dive into all of that. For MVPs, I am going with Albon. I feel like not only did he pull out a great quali, he kept his defense and the cars behind him for laps on laps on laps. So yeah. new minister of defense crowned in my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I can argue with that one. We can give him the title for now. We'll see.
0: <laughs>
1: for
2: me, Alonso,
1: I had been wondering if kind of as we get a little bit more into the middle of the season, just the shining star that was Aston Martin at the start would kind of drop off a bit. And he's just continuing to make it happen. And so is the general Aston Martin team. Um, Great overtake of Lewis. I just thought it was um, a really strong performance from him all around. And he's again, showing the Delta between him and Stroll, which is very interesting and we'll definitely get into. And I wonder kind of how long that's going to be a trend and if – that's going to kind of start causing
2: some problems down the road. Oh, those those internal team dynamics, I'm sure. Um, for me, my MVP, I'm going to give it to Hamilton. I think, you know, it's sad that he couldn't hold on to P2, but he had a great start. And I think Mercedes is looking really great. And maybe not Russell, we'll talk about that. Um, but I'm really happy for them. And I think it's going to be a spicy season. Mercedes and Aston Martin trying to one-up each other with upgrades and just trying to hold on. Okay. So let's do LVPs. This is going to be really sad for me. I have a lot of LVPs. My main LVP is Checo. Three, wow. weekends, three weekends in a row, utter disappointment. To not even get into Q3 two weekends in a row is heart-wrenching. Um, so I'd say he's my biggest LVP. I think signs impeding everyone in quality, another LVP. I think Russell's mistake An LVP. Guys, M- McLaren didn't do too hot, another LVP. I think this was a race of losers, and if you came out as a winner in this race, it was a
0: big deal. A race of (laughs) losers. That's so sad. (laughs) I didn't know who to choose. I kind of just went with the penalties galore. Like, I think some of them were definitely warranted, but having four penalties for quali and then Lando's unsportsmanlike behavior penalty, I just felt like there were a lot of penalties being given out, like candy that... I don't know, maybe just like rules need to be clearer or processes need to be sharper, but it just was, it's when you're doing the math and the Tetris of like trying to figure out the starting grid because of all the penalties, it's like, you know, things should be a little bit clearer, (laughs) I think.
1: Totally agree. Mine is Lando's unsportsmanlike penalty. I don't know what on earth (laughs) they were doing there. I think the announcers did a really good job explaining this where they were saying technically it was for holding cars up under the safety car kind of doing that intentionally so that they could double stack. And so the announcers were saying that's a safety car infringement. If you want to give a five-second penalty for a safety car infringement, fine. But calling it unsportsmanlike was so out of left field. So many things happen on a weekly basis that are way crazier than that. I was thinking back on some really egregious things. I think it was Botas and um, George at Imola where – they had just that very famous and expletive laden interaction and no one got an unsportsmanlike penalty. So I just think that was pretty
0: ridiculous. Also giving it to Lando, I forget the equivalence that the announcers made, but they were like, that's like giving like this to someone who's like so sweet, basically like a puppy dog. Like Lando being unsportsmanlike is just it's such it's so far off <laughs> from any sort of reality.
1: Okay. Let's get into how our hot takes held up. Mine, very poorly. I said Charles would win. I don't know why.
2: (laughs) You got to stop doing that.
1: (laughs) I think that's the first time I just – I have felt bad and I wanted to kind of put some good energy behind him and then suddenly it's quali and he's saying Ferrari sent me out on slicks when I should have been
2: on inners and on inners when I should have been on slicks. So For me, I had Max signs and Alonso on podium, so I got two out of the three, but – That's pretty good. Two out of the three, Max and Alonso on podium isn't really um, a hot (laughs) take. I'll say I failed as well because Sainz was not near the podium.
0: That's that's still okay. But yeah, saying Max on podium, not a hot take. (laughs) For me, I said uh, I went full force with a Lewis win, which no luck there, but happy with the podium. Pace was still good. I also sort of said that if he had a good result this weekend, that my prediction would be his contract will get announced shortly after. So... We'll see if that comes true.
2: I think you said today, Monday.
0: I don't remember if I said a specific day, but just like hot off the weekend. Stay tuned. We shall see. So uh, thanks to our giveaway, we had a great idea from Sam to bring some of the Discord energy into our recaps. So without further ado, here were some of our favorite moments and best quotes yesterday. Uh, Number one, so people are already planning a For the Girls Montreal trip next year. We absolutely love to see that. So that's awesome um rebecca coming in hot with a daniel Kvyat probably fuming that max won on father's day <laughs> savage that's very <laughs> savage it's hilarious um and was bringing back the fact that at the last canadian grand prix quote all of reddit teamed up to vote latifi driver of the day for his last home grand prix and f1 refused to release the result <laughs> and then we need to spend a moment talking about the Will Arnett Daniel Ricciardo broadcast. We had yes. some very long thoughts from Ash MG, and I won't detail all of it. It was very articulate, but her general takeaways were that it was pretty imbalanced. Given Danny could speak from a very technical perspective, while Will is more of a casual fan and just like couldn't really keep up with that. The fact that they weren't together in person threw the vibe off, uh, bringing on. Random, even though they were famous guests who didn't know a lot about the sport, was a bit strange. And then Maria Kay also said it seemed that Danny kind of got thrown in with little prep for the whole thing. So, what do you guys think? (laughs) It was
2: so cringy. Like, at one point, like, Will Arnett is a casual fan, but he was like, talking about DRS. And he's like, oh, let me back up and explain for those of you who don't know what DRS is. Like, da 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 -da, Like, Danny, why don't you tell us? And Danny's like, yeah, I think think DRS stands for Drag Reduction System. I was like, yes, you know that. Like, you definitely know that. (laughs) And then they had like Patrick Dempsey come on. And then Patrick Dempsey was like giving the vibes of like the casual fan who has like a note card of like five deeper topics that he can speak to. And he was like trying to bring those into the conversation. And then whenever they would get stuck – especially like near a more technical point, they would like call on the stat man in an office in the UK who would like try to give some stats about what was going not on. The
1: stat man, Sean Kelly, he saved it.
2: He's really good. Yeah. No, he, I don't, if it was, if it wasn't for him, like I don't think it would have been a legit enough broadcast. At one
1: point, Will Arnett about three minutes in called it a course. And I was just like, it's, it's
0: this is not good.
1: From here. Instead of a track. Yes. He called it a course. And I think, <laughs>
2: He's mixing up golf.
1: Ash MG was so right in Discord about, I think, not being in person. Definitely threw the vibe off because I think this is one of those things when you're going off personality and banter and kind of that in-person energy. I feel like you really need the people to be in the same room and not just zooming why in. Couldn't, why couldn't
2: Will Arnett get to Canada? I feel like it doesn't seem like it's that far for him.
0: Who knows? Um, yeah, it is his home country, so I understand why they started it here and did it here, but I could see it being good for like really new fans who just need like a super shallow on ramp into the sport. And it's like, okay, there are separate celebrities coming in, and like Will Arnett's funny. And Daniel Ricciardo is definitely like a great person to get to know F1 with. That's kind of how a lot of the Drive to Survive fans got to know F1 is through Danny Ricciardo. Yeah. But I think for anyone who's used to watching races, and like for us, like Sarah and I were watching this in the car, we were just like, It's just – it's not as good as the regular broadcast for fans who are kind of watching regularly. So I don't know. Maybe it has a place. But yeah, I think they need to figure out the kinks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of getting stressed. I was like, we need full commentary right now. (laughs)
0: My
2: dad accidentally turned that one on instead of the other one, and he did not know what's going on. He was calling me. He's like, what's happening? This is horrible.
1: (laughs) Let's jump into the weekend. So some practice highlights. The main highlight of FP1 was definitely the Groundhogs and an early red flag due to Gasly. Practicing got cut short due to issues with CCTV, which is the local um, kind of localized internal camera system that helps monitor the track. So that was a mess. There was a super long red flag. They couldn't resume the practice session. So they made FP2 an hour and a half to compromise. Lewis came out on top for Friday, just ahead of George, so definitely was looking good for Mercedes. FB3 on Saturday was rainy. It was all on inters and wets. Max came out on top. Carlos had a really big crash, took off his whole front nose of the car, so it was definitely a bit of a rainy mess on Saturday.
2: Which led right into Quali, which was very, very rainy with the shifting conditions. I think we talked about this a little bit, but it really does come down to right place, right time, especially with the tires. So Q1, we had a really right time and just not being Charles. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, Definitely you can't be Ferrari and have, have the curse. <laughs> so Q1, we had the early red flag to due to Joe at the start of Q1. The rain was impending, so people were on inters. It was a game of just trying to figure out when the rain would come and then to get your flying laps in while the racing line stayed dry and you had the right tires. So out in Q1, we had Yuki, Gasly, DeVries, Logan, and Joe. Gasly was very, very displeased, especially because um, signs kind of cut him off and got a penalty there. But that was uh,
0: the drama of Q1. Yeah, Gasly was fuming. Uh, so for Q2, drivers in race control, they thought they would have a dry track still. Max went out on inters, but then Albon went out on slicks, got a great time in, and everyone saw Albon go. They start to put slicks on, but then the rain began to fall, and it was just one big mess of trying to figure out whether there was enough of a window for slicks or if they needed inters. So again, you really just had to get lucky and make the right calls on tires for that. So the victims of this mess (laughs) (laughs) were Charles, Checo, Stroll, K-Mag, and Botas. And like Chessa said, that was Checo missing out on Q3 for the third race in a row. So that was pretty brutal.
1: For Q3, it was still raining. So inters were definitely the right call for the start here. Piastri crashed and brought out a red flag. And it just kept pouring. Alonso called the conditions impossible All the drivers went back to the pits watching the clock run down. The spray was really crazy. So the top 10 finishing was Max, Nico Hulkenberg, Alonso, Hamilton, George, Ocon, Lando, Carlos, Piastri, and Albon. And so that was just unbelievable for uh, Nico Hulkenberg. But tragedy struck when the stewards handed Hulkenberg a three-place grid drop for red flag infringement. And then multiple drivers got impeding penalties, Carlos, Lance, and Yuki. So like we were saying earlier, it turned into a total Tetris We're trying to figure out where people were starting. So the top 10 start ended up being Max, Alonso, Hamilton, George, Hulkenberg, Ocon, Lando, Piastri, Albon, and then Charles.
2: So let's talk about the start of the race. It was pretty uneventful first lap, except for Hamilton had an amazing start up on Alonso, passed him for P2 right on the get-go, and then, um, other main highlights of the race, we had that safety car because George had a little clip of the wall. Basically, that allowed cars to pit. And interestingly, almost everyone did, um, except the Ferrari drivers who stayed out on mediums. But then George ended up retiring on lap 55 because he ended up having some issues with his brakes. We had the virtual safety car with Logan. He had to retire the car. I think the big thing here, a big main highlight, is strategy and tire deck. So, this is a real true mix of strategies with some teams executing the the great two stopper, some managed to pull off a one stopper, and then the teams also had some different experiences with their tires, like even Red Bull was struggling with mediums and then Ferrari was managing just fine. So I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the car setup too and how much you're going
0: to degrade the tires. Yeah, even though the race wasn't super eventful, it was cool to see there like so many different strategies and things working for some cars and not others, so that was cool. <laughs> So going by team for Red Bull, it was their 100th win. Exciting weekend for them and felt fitting that Max got to be the one to secure that for them. Although many have pointed out it is funny that Lewis still has more wins than Red Bull, <laughs> all of Red Bull, at least for now. Um, another record. <laughs> I love that style. I, <laughs> how I call it. <laughs> another record is that Max also equaled Art and Senna's win record this weekend with his 41st He also hit a bird early in the race, and it stayed on his car for the rest of it. He said it was stuck on his car, and he, quote, felt bad for the mechanic who had to remove it, which is very sad. (laughs) Red Bull continues its 100% win streak this season. The real question is, will we actually have a race this year that Red Bull doesn't win, which I'm nervous about at this stage. I think we might not.
1: (laughs) What do you guys think? Do you think that's possible?
0: (laughs) No, yeah, I think it's possible. I think for Red Bull to have an absolutely perfect season where Max wins everything or like Checo wins seems unlikely with 20 something races. Like, something will happen, there will be reliability, or I don't know, maybe a mistake. mistake.
2: Yeah, Max had like a little thing where he was like, Oh, I almost just knocked myself out going over this curb. So, he was laughing about it. He's just like. Yeah, but like if if he's just leading by like seven seconds the whole race, maybe he gets bored and has like a little slip up. Who knows? But that's the only thing I can think
1: of.
0: I have to believe. Yeah,
1: I definitely agree it might not be a win for another team based on outright pace, but I do definitely think even at Red Bull's level of operation right now, I think it's impossible to stay perfect for 23, 24 races, even if it's a weather issue, reliability, one of the cars crashing, having really bad quality, um, I think definitely there'll be space for someone else. So everyone just stay hopeful <laughs> if you're excited for someone else to win.
0: Yes. Checo did manage to fight his way up starting uh in the bottom 10 and he managed a decent one-stop strategy. He then pitted again on the last lap to get fastest lap to take that point from Hamilton, which he was able to do on softs. But His post-race commentary indicated that he thinks they have a lot to learn, take away from the weekend, that they didn't have the same pace as usual, and the medium tires especially were giving them trouble. And he also sort of addressed his recent performance slump saying, quote, I am more concerned about my drop in performance than my place in the championship because the pace is just not there. Um, One thing I wanted to discuss is that the announcers were calling it their least commanding win so far this season, even though Max still Hmm. won by many seconds. But do we agree and why do we think that is? I mean, as a
2: team, it's not like they were like... We all need a little extra health booth sometimes and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder green machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production.
0: And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code FORTHEGIRLS at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code FORTHEGIRLS for 20% off your first order. <laughs>
2: Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Takova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tecova's. They have a first-wear comfort, which basically means there's no break-in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal and with regular live music and events, there's really no in store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tacovas.com, T E C O V A S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code f1r the girls at checkout that's happymammoth.com and use the code f1r the girls for 15 percent off today winning with a one two so i think checo might be like dragging down the tail end but i don't know why it would be the least commanding win i think for like the optics of it all it's their 100th win it was an exciting win they did it like that was what was on the line this weekend and they did it so i don't know
1: I agree that it did feel a bit closer because we've had some crazy, crazy gaps. Like every car, every other car being 25 plus seconds behind the Red Bulls. And I do think I remember kind of thinking the first couple laps, Max was obviously pulling a gap, but it was still decently small until um, kind of after that first safety car. So I think it was at least like a little sliver of hope of um, the fact that Hamilton was even able to stay within a few seconds of him for a decent number of laps. I I agree that it felt like it wasn't completely a – I mean, Max had no challengers the whole race. In some of these other races of the season, he would have been 30 seconds off into the distance, and that wasn't the case here. So.
0: Yeah, and also Alonzo was managing the – he was doing lift and coast for a lot of the middle part of the race, and Max wasn't pulling away with like a 20-second gap. So I definitely agree that the pace didn't seem as good as usual, which is interesting. Um, but Sarah, the other Red Bull topic that I'm curious your thoughts on is Max's sort of pre-weekend race comments about winning races and championships sort of feeling the same and that that won't keep him in the sport forever – What are our guesses for Max's longevity in F1? I have thoughts, but Sarah, I'm curious as a Max fan.
1: I feel like it's so impossible to predict right now because I could definitely see him kind of just retiring when he's 35. That's still 10 years away. So I don't see him. Oh, my God, he's
2: so young. Yeah, I
1: don't see him doing some like premature retirement while he's still at the peak of his game. But one thing that I'm really interested in that – they were kind of talking about in the sky sports podcast that Tiki and I were talking about yesterday is they're all fierce competitors at heart. And so even though they want to be winning, they want to be racing and wheel wheel racing. And I think it's probably not the most fun season for max when you're always just kind of out there alone, joking about birds and hitting curbs and not getting (laughs) to do the kind of racing that like brought you to the sport. And that is what really like thrills you. So I could see him getting a bit bored, but I also really think that like this current situation is not going to last forever. So hopefully Red Bull is just kind of enjoying this while it lasts because they're sitting pretty now. But I definitely think in the next couple of years, other teams will catch up.
0: Well, I also think the 2026 regulations are going to play a big role in potentially shaking up and like do I, I don't know is Red Bull going to be able to pull off their own powertrains project? That's a big question mark. Like once we hit 2026, I definitely see Max like doing extremely well, potentially winning 2023, 2024, 2025. But like when we get to 2026, that's a big question mark in terms of whether Red Bull can stay ahead, pull off a powertrains project uh, with these new sort of more hybrid and sustainable regulations. I'm not sure Red Bull is going to be on top for that.
2: Well, let's just hope that Max stays entertained enough to stick it out. Let's jump into Ferrari. So, like we said, they made a risky call to stay out on mediums under the safety car here when everyone else pitted, which gave them track position. They were able to execute that one-stop strategy when most other teams couldn't. So, it was interesting that they had such a better time with the mediums than Red Bulls or the other teams. Again, to me, this just goes to show that it's not just about strategy and track conditions, but so much about... The nature of each car and how the car wears the tires down differently. Like Haas just eats through tires, things like that. Um, But what was interesting also was the team order. So they told Carlos not to attack Charles and to simply just bring the cars home alive in one piece, which I think if you're Ferrari, that's probably the smart move. But what do you guys think about their strategy and these team orders?
1: I was fascinated by this race for them because when everyone else pitted under the safety car, went on hards, and it was only – you see kind of the little tire graph and it's only Ferrari on mediums. I was thinking, oh, no. Like, how? <laughs> how did this happen? But their – last year and this year, kind of their biggest struggle has been tire degradation, especially on mediums. Their tire deck has just been awful. So I'm pretty impressed that they were able to pull off a one-stop. The mediums lasted a really long time. So I think overall this was pretty good performance from them.
0: Yeah, agreed. I was fascinated by the team order situation, though. I guess I get like we're we're finally having a decent race. Like, don't mess it up. Just bring the cars home. But I w- I wonder how Carlos was feeling about that directive not to to pass Charles and just kind of keep the procession all the way. And <laughs> is he still ahead
1: of Charles in the drivers' championship? Yeah,
0: he is. So
1: that's a bit a bit strange because normally it would be the opposite. But I think also when you're whatever fifth and sixth in the drivers' championship, they're probably just like don't mess this up and crash the cars. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Just keep the peace. (laughs) So for Mercedes, it was a polarizing race for them with Lewis on podium and Russell DNFing. Uh, Apparently it was due to brake damage, but then some were saying it was due to his shunt in the wall, but the trackside engineer said it had more to do with the traffic he faced as he battled back through the field. So unclear if it was his doing or just having to fight through, but, Unfortunately, outside of the DNF, the big takeaway for the weekend really felt like consistency. Hamilton praised it in his post-race interview. He also had a funny comment about being honored to be up on the podium with two world champions. <laughs> like, sir, you have more than both of them combined. <laughs> it was cute. It was though. very cute. Yeah. Um, they weren't expecting this to be a super strong track for them with the lower speed corners, but they managed it really well. I think felt really positively about the weekend on the contract front. Hamilton said they've been making progress, but we still have no news. Um, I'm curious your your guys' thoughts on George's, I would say, uncharacteristic mistake. I think people just seem to like shrug it off, but when someone else makes a mistake, sometimes it can be like people can be really hard on certain drivers, but... I'm I'm curious what you guys think about his mistake and the reaction to it or lack thereof, I guess.
2: I mean, he and we've always said this, especially me, like he's one of those drivers that's kind of heads down, always performs and very little drama or like press around that sort of thing. So I think, yes, the mistake was uncharacteristic. And I'm actually surprised people aren't giving him a harder time just because it goes so far from like what we think of him as being a super consistent driver. But people are bound to make mistakes. This is like his first one. So I think, you know, give him a little bit of grace, but I do think overall that was a bummer, but I was excited to see Lewis doing super well. Like the the Mercedes pace is looking so good. And with Aston bringing in those those exciting upgrades, I think it's going to be a kind of like Neck and neck race between those two teams this season, so
0: I'm excited to see that. Since we are just going to assume Red Bull, I saw a hilarious meme that was like, it was like breaking news: Alonso and Hamilton not to race in Austria due to back problems from carrying the entire season on their backs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's <kind of>, gonna.
0: <laughs> so that's funny. literally
2: what it's gonna be like. We have to just buckle in for that excitement now.
1: And I love the little Lewis Alonso banter because, as we've discussed, they famously were teammates at McLaren back in the 2000s and had a feud that was of absolutely epic proportions that goes back down as like one of the biggest F1 feuds ever. And so it's nice to see them kind of joking. I mean, they were in the media pen after this little clip has been going around of Lewis making a joke about Alonzo's like advanced age, kind of tongue in cheek and Alonso standing there next to him laughing. So the energy seems good right now.
0: I like the banter. <laughs> as long as they're both on podium, I feel like they can keep it up, but it might get uglier later in the season.
1: <laughs> for Alpine, Gasly started on softs in a gamble to hopefully pick up places off the line. He managed to get two places early on, but the tires were just not the right call for the conditions. He had to pit before the safety cars. so that was really bad luck. Having been out in Q1 plus the impeding incident, there was only so much he could do, but he was not happy with p twelve. Ocon, on the other hand, managed to hold Lando off on the very last lap, even with a wobbly rear wing to finish in the points at P8. He wasn't able to get past Albon, interestingly, which, what do you all think? Does that say more about Williams' pace or the lack of the Alpine pace?
2: No, I think it says something about Williams' pace and how um, Albon was able to execute a perfect race.
0: Yeah, Williams had really good pace on the straights, so I think that...
2: And we knew that coming in, like, they've always been really good, but I think... Albon just crushed it. There was that graphic from
1: early on in quality that was like track domination. and It was the segments that Max was the best, the segments that Albon was
2: the best, which was very cool. Love that. <laughs> so let's talk about McLaren. This was a tough weekend for them because the points really seemed in reach for both drivers throughout, honestly, much of the race. Lando managed to finish P9 in the points, but was accused of driving too slow and backing up the cars behind him under the safety car in order to help that double stack pit stop. So he got a penalty that ended up dropping him back to P13. Oscar finished P11. He just did not have the pace or the tires to do much better than that. But for a rookie to be grasping toward near the points, I think that could be exciting for him. Um, so, yeah, overall not a great weekend for them, though. I think it just goes to show no matter where you start in – in the race, based on your quality performance, like if you don't have the right car, you're not going to be able to hold on to positions. And we saw that a lot with McLaren.
0: Agreed. For Alfa Romeo, Botas was another driver that didn't pit under the safety car and managed to run in the top 10 for much of the race. He did get past at like the final meters by Stroll, but still ended up with a point in P10. So I'm happy for Botas on that. And I was okay with Stroll doing that given it was his home race, but justice for BOTAS. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, unfortunately, started last and couldn't make a lot of progress throughout the race. So he ended up in P16. It just didn't feel like he could do much better than that, but unfortunate. For Aston Martin, they showed up with some heavily updated side pods that were much deeper, and those upgrades really seemed to pay off. Alonso started and finished P2, and he called it their most competitive race yet. He also said he had to pull off, quote, 70 laps of qualifying to beat Hamilton, even while he was having to lift and coast for a large chunk of the race to manage car issues. It was a fuel system issue, according to Mike Crack, the team principal. For Stroll and his home race, he had a bit more of a roller coaster this weekend, but he ended up matching his best result at home with P9, which included that super late pass of Botas just before the finish line. He did have bad luck. He pitted early before the first safety car and came out, um, but he ended up being able to climb up into the points. So good for him. It was also cute seeing him at home. He took his team to his favorite restaurant. It was very,
1: Aww. very cute. For Alpha Tauri, p P14 for Yuki and P18 are last of the cars that finished for DeVries. Yuki was another victim of the grid penalty mess for impeding. DeVries did have a decent move on KMAG, but then outbreaked himself and ran off, which brought KMAG with him. They're pretty lucky that that didn't end both of their races. So again, we've said it 18 million times. We'll say it again. DeVries has really got to pull it together if he doesn't want a very serious threat to his seat for next year.
2: Yeah, I'm excited going into the summer season and our summer break, what the what the seat situation is going to be. Let's talk about Haas. So Hulkenberg had an amazing quality. He snagged a P2, but tragedy struck when he got a three-place grid penalty, as we mentioned, for the red flag in quality. So he was starting in P5. And like I've said before, unfortunately, it becomes very clear early on that you're going to lose places when you get this exciting, kind of uncharacteristic quality position because the car just doesn't have the pace. Haas, historically, just is not as great with tire management. So he had a lot of tire deg. So he ended up in P15, which was very, very disappointing given the excitement of quality. But they do seem to be able to string a fast lap together during quality, but they need to focus on the stamina required for Sundays, the wheel-to-wheel racing that's required to maintain a P2 position. Um, And Gunther said that they need to, quote, not hide behind good quality results. So Gunther said it right. I agree with him.
0: (laughs) For Williams, it was a bit of a different story for both drivers this weekend, but huge excitement with Albon finishing P7, defending the DRS train for so many laps. He had even dropped out of the points early on, but managed to execute an awesome one-stop strategy and defend, defend, defend. They kept calling it, quote, classic Albon defending, which I thought was very well-deserved. But it seems like the upgrades were successful, at least on this track. They have now moved up to ninth in constructors, putting Alpha Towery in last. So that's good for Williams. Logan, on the other hand, he sadly had to retire early with an oil leak, but he did well to pull off in the right spot for minimal disruption. Only a short-lived virtual safety car was needed. But also the the other bummer for him was that there were only enough upgrade parts for Albon's car, so he didn't even get to benefit from those upgrades. But it's good that they they seem to work well for Albon. But yeah, I think these comments that Val's made are so interesting about Williams technology lagging almost 20 years behind and facilities and all of that. Like it just seems so difficult to compete at all with that setup, you know, and I think they're optimistic that they'll be able to get an exception for the cost cap to put an investment to work. But it takes a long time. Even if you do have the money and you do have the investment, it takes a long time to kind of build from that. So I think it makes this result even more impressive.
2: I'm so excited to see if they can get that that exception. Um, we did get some DMs after we posted about that news that there are other teams as well who could be considered in that bucket. And so if we're saying here, okay, maybe there's a handful of teams that are all basically potentially could get That exception it would be really fun to see them all kind of like tighten up on their technology and and start to really compete
1: for news and headlines this week Vettel and Danny are reuniting to drive Red Bulls at the Nürburgring in Germany in September Vettel is going to drive the Red Bull 7 he won the 2011 championship in that car in a very dominant season and it's been retrofitted to be run on e-fuels which is very exciting he was quoted saying Quote, it's vital to me to demonstrate that racing cars can perform equally well and rapidly on synthetic, such as CO2 neutral fuel. Danny will also be driving the Red Bull Eight, and remember, the two were teammates back in the day. It was kind of part of Vettel's move to Ferrari. It was Ricardo doing so well when he showed up at Red Bull? They wouldn't let Max do it. He seemed kind of mad about it. Helmet Marco shut it down because apparently they knew he would quote take it to the limit, and it's one of the most dangerous tracks. So that's interesting. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: they don't trust Max. That's that's sad. They don't often have F1 drivers and cars on this track. I think the last time they did like a test lap in a Mercedes in like 2013, but it's a really dangerous track. And I, I actually kind of get why they wouldn't want Max doing that. <laughs> Max doesn't. I feel like he just takes everything to like 110% always. And he usually doesn't mess up, but you wouldn't want him to <laughs> compromise the season. Can't take the chance. Yes. Um, In some kind of fun and bright news. So this weekend, F1 is celebrating 50 years of the safety car. It's the first time it made its debut was at the Canadian Grand Prix in 1973. And for almost half of those years, which is insane, there has been one man behind the wheel, burnt Maylander, and they have done some features on him. He said he was feeling like, quote, James Bond. He started driving the safety car in 2000 when he caught the eye of then F1 racing directors after his stint racing in the Porsche Super Cup category. And he was interviewed this weekend, and he talked a lot about how the safety car has improved technology and communication-wise, the radios and screens set up inside to get all the info from engineers. And there are two safety cars. There's one by Mercedes and one by Aston Martin. And he says when he gets in the green Aston Martin, he feels like James Bond, which I think that's so wholesome. Wouldn't we all? (laughs) It's so great. I love that.
2: (laughs) So to wrap up the episode, our radio of the week was a beautiful, wholesome one from Alex Albon. After his P7 finish, he got driver of the day and he pulled Williams up from last in constructors. And it was, this is for all the hard work. Thank you. So sweet. It's very wholesome. Such a good one. So, yeah, I loved it. So driver's championship standings, max 195, Checo 126 and Alonso at 117. So I'm excited for this. And then Hamilton at 102, so I think between the three of them, it's going to be very exciting. Carlos at 68, George at 65, so that'll be another one for them, and then Charles at 54. For the Constructors, Red Bulls at 321, Mercedes at 167, Aston Martin close by at 154, Ferrari 122, so that could also be a strong contender for P2 if they can pull it together, Alpine at 44, McLaren 17, Alfa Romeo 9, Haas 8, Williams 7, and Alpha Tyree 2. Woohoo. With that, thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back soon. Thanks so much.